Today's text is from Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. And Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak through Matt today. Lord, as you've promised that those who faithfully preach your word, Lord, that you would speak through them, Lord, that we pray that we would hear you by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning to the glory, the glory of your name. So, Lord, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cass family. Thank you very much. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. Um, it's a uh, my name is Matt Ortiz. I'm one of the pastors here. And if this is your first Sunday here, um, my, my desire is that you would introduce yourself to me after the service. I'd love to get to know you. And um, just to bring you up to speed, to let you know what we've been doing, we've been in a series um, called Habits of Grace, Experiencing Christ Through Spiritual Disciplines. And uh, all the credit goes to Pastor Brock for building this series, designing this series, uh, picking what all the different sermons were going to be, and then assigning different pastors to different uh, sermons. And, and uh, he just did a fantastic job not only designing the series, but then also making sure that we weren't just talking about it, but that we were living it out. And so I just wanted to uh, thank Pastor Brock. I think he's busy with the kids right now, but if you see him, will you be sure to encourage him and, and, and thank him? We are wrapping up this series uh, this morning, this series on, called Habits of Grace. Now, this morning, our last message in this series, I'm scheduled to preach today on experiencing Christ through evangelism. Now, when it comes to the word evangelism, so many of us feel like the word evangelism is a bad word, right? A bad word. And people often think of in-your-face street preachers or TV evangelists who want to separate you from your money so they can get a new jet. Or people protesting funerals of those who died of AIDS. Evangelism can bring other words to mind like judgmental or arrogant or narcissistic. And evangelism is often done in a way that makes people feel like you just poked them in the eye. Yeah, well, the truth hurts. Poking you in the eye was the loving thing to do. You're welcome. So it's no wonder why most people in the church don't do evangelism. I mean, who wants to step in that? But here's the deal. Here's what I've observed. You can't not do 
evangelism. You can't not do evangelism. The word evangelism, evangelism simply means the telling of good news, telling people that there's a better way to think, telling people that there's a better way to live, and you can't avoid doing that. Even people who say, you should not try to convert people to your beliefs are trying to convert people to their beliefs by saying that. Everyone has convictions. And so we can't not do evangelism. But what we must do is do it in a way that treats people with dignity and respect and love. We are all, we are all messengers of what we believe to be good. We're all messengers of what we believe to be good news. We are all evangelists of one kind or another. And the text that was just read this morning, I think, is a, is a helpful case study in good news telling. We see what's involved for Christians if they are going to be gracious messengers of their convictions and beliefs. And if you're taking notes using the handout and the bulletin that you have, the first point is this. When it comes to evangelism, start with yourself. You gotta start with yourself. Don't do any evangelism until you start with yourself. Look at the first verse in our passage. Verse 27 says, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, Levi rose and followed Jesus. Now, how, why did Levi respond like that? Why, did he, why was he able to get up and walk away from everything? The reason is because he got it. He got the good news. So what is so good about this good news that Levi would stand up, walk away from everything, and follow Jesus? Well, here's the good news. This is the best news. The good news is this that even though we are unworthy, through the work of King Jesus and his spirit, the power of God and his kingdom has entered history to reconcile us to our loving Father and to renew our broken lives, our broken communities, and our broken world. That is good news. That is the best news of all time. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're suffering through, how you've been let down, how life, you know, maybe it's just a lot, it's just a grind and just far more broken than you ever imagined. There is no compensation, there's nothing in this world that can compensate for the suffering in this world. But when you focus on the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, it gives you perspective. It fills your heart with hope. And when you, when you worship, when that, that right there, that good news right there fills your heart with worship. And I'm telling you, worship is the best relief you will ever experience when you are suffering. It is the best relief. I've told you many times, no one gets a free pass on suffering. It just looks different from person to person. No one gets a free pass on suffering. That is part of life. Life, so much of it 
is suffering. And we will either suffer in the right way or the wrong way or for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, but we will suffer. So that means that we are desperate for good news that can transcend this messed up, broken world. And we can know that we have a hope of glory, that one day this world is not all there is. There's an eternity with renewed bodies and every tear will be wiped away. And the greatest gift of all is that we'll be in the presence of Jesus forever. That is the best news. And we're unworthy. Doesn't mean we're worthless. There's a big difference between unworthy and worthless. And I'll say that more of that in a little bit. But even though we're unworthy, God loved us. Levi knew that he was unworthy of God's love. In fact, the rabbis regularly told him that he was unworthy. They told Levi, the religious leaders told Levi that he was unworthy politically because he was working for the hated Roman Empire who oppressed his people. He was hated ceremonially because he was constantly hanging out with Gentiles. He was, he was unworthy morally because he was overcharging his own people to benefit the oppressors, and then he was pocketing the extra. If anyone deserved a poke in the eye, it was Levi. Now, Levi was condemned by the religious leaders and condemned and hated by his own people. But through Jesus, Levi experienced the love of God. Now, here's, here's what we see throughout the Gospels. From, from the way that we know about Jesus, the way that he worked, this was probably not the first time that Levi met Jesus. Levi would have been one of the tax collectors and sinners like us that Jesus was always hanging out with. Do you see what happened? Jesus comes to Levi while he was still a sinner. Jesus comes to Levi while, while Levi was still ripping people off. He didn't say, hey, you know what? You need to get your act together. You need to knock this off and then maybe we can talk. No, that's not how it played out. Jesus goes to Levi when he was still in sin and says, follow me. Now, do you know what that means for us? Do you know what that means? That means that there is room in Jesus's kingdom for people like Levi and you and me like all of us. Levi gets this good news and he responds by giving up his whole life. And he follows Jesus because he believed that Jesus had a better way to live. The only way to truly live. He got the good news. You know, if, if scientists, if a group of scientists found a cure for Ebola or AIDS or cancer. We would want them to tell as many of us as possible, right? It would be unloving for them not to. It would be illogical for them not to. It would be wrong for them not to tell us this good news about this cure, right? That's evangelism. Now, I've noticed something similar something common between people who abuse evangelism and people who avoid evangelism. Ironically enough, they have something in common. 
And that is, neither get it. Neither get or understand the good news. When we don't get it, when we abuse evangelism or avoid evangelism, it means that we haven't started with ourselves. We haven't preached the gospel to ourselves. We haven't seen our need in God's grace and his loving sacrifice for us. So my encouragement to you this morning is to ask yourself, do I believe, do I believe that I have the most important message the world has ever heard? Do I believe that I have the most important good news of all time or not? You gotta ask yourself, do you know the good news? Do you believe the good news or not? So that's first, start with yourself. Second, then go to those you know. See, a major problem with Christian evangelism is when Christians treat people as problems or when Christians treat people as enemies. Instead of getting involved in people's lives, they do drive by evangelism from a distance and check evangelism off their to-do list because it's really more about them than the person they're talking to. They care more about themselves, making sure they're doing the right thing, than caring about the people they're trying they're preaching to, or sharing the good news to. But look what Levi does. What does Levi do? What's his, he throws a party, verse 29. Levi made Jesus a great feast in his house, and, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. Jesus reached out to Levi through genuine friendship, and so Levi does the same thing. And the first thing he does is he throws a party, not a meeting, not a debate, not a barrage of half-cocked drive-by Facebook posts that insult atheists. Drives me nuts. He throws a party for his friends. He blesses his friends. He's hospitable to his friends. He extends friendship to his friends. He wants the best for his friends. The good news filled his heart with so much joy. He said, we need to party. I mean, we need to celebrate. That's evangelism. And guess what? He had no training in evangelism. He didn't take a seminar. He didn't take a class. Nothing. He had no training in evangelism. That did not stop him. him. All he knew was that Jesus had changed his life and he wanted his friends to know Jesus too. Sometimes we overcomplicate evangelism and then we get all freaked out or, or scared or whatever and we just shut down. All you gotta do is tell your story about God's grace in your heart and life to somebody that you love. There, evangelism course, done. I mean, it's good to figure out how to improve communicating the gospel. But you don't need to wait for that. If you genuinely love somebody, you can share the good news of God's grace and the difference it made in your life out of a concern and a love and a genuine friendship for the person that you're talking to. All Levi knew is that Jesus had changed his life and he wanted his friends to know Jesus too. This is God's primary method for evangelism. We see that through the Gospels. When Andrew met Jesus, he went and got his brother Simon. When Philip met Jesus, he went and got his friend Nathaniel. When the good Samaritan met Jesus, she went and got her, her neighbors with no shame. Just 
her heart filled with joy. I mean, you could go through the whole New Testament and see this over and over and over and over again. If you love a friend, you want them to have what they need. You want them to be blessed. You want them to be encouraged, right? You want them to have hope that kind of transcends this messed up world. What kind of friend doesn't share his heart? What kind of friend doesn't share his life? What kind of friends are we if we know that somebody is harming themselves and, and never lovingly say anything about it? See, friends are those who, who love others enough to tell them the truth lovingly, gently, patiently, respectfully, you invite them, come to the party and share in my joy. So start with yourself, then go to those that you know. Okay, now here's an important question. How do we avoid abusing evangelism? Because you might get all fired up. I need to evangelize, right? And then you go out, maybe with good intentions, but maybe you didn't preach the gospel to yourself enough to have this humble confidence that, that you need to communicate the truth and love of Jesus. How do we avoid abusing evangelism? That's third. You repent of religious arrogance. We all need to do this. Repent of religious arrogance. One of the biggest problems with Christian evangelism is the, the you're an idiot and I'm better than you. You should come to Jesus and be like me approach. Unfortunately, it's pretty common, especially in social media, but it's also been a problem since the beginning. I mean, look at verse 30. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? In other words, why are you condoning their sin? Why are you pandering to these tax collectors? You, you just want to be accepted because you're afraid of, 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 you know, being persecuted. And so you're watering it down and you're deflecting and you're just hanging out and you're not making any difference at all. <laughs> and sometimes that gets whispered in our ear and we get defensive and I don't, I don't want to look like a coward, so, you know, I'm going to let them have it, prove to my peers how courageous I am. How bold I am for Jesus. There's fear under all that. So, what's the deal with the Pharisees? What's the deal with religious people who, who abuse evangelism? The problem is they don't get it. They don't get the good news of God's grace. I know because if God didn't open my eyes to his grace... I'd be the biggest, baddest, ugliest Pharisee you've ever seen in your life. And Pharisees do their own evangelism. And it sounds a bit, at least between the lines, something like, if you live like me, God will love you and bless you. But that is not good news. They just think it is. 
Pharisees work really hard at looking better than they, than they really are. They sit in judgment of those, condemning judgment of those who don't live up to their standards. I mean, this is still rampant among people who claim to be Christians. Now, here's the thing. I remember when God started to open my eyes to the grace of Jesus. God showed me that I am totally unworthy of his love, but because of God's grace, I am not worthless. I may be unworthy, but I'm not worthless because Jesus chose to love me and value me and purchase me with the blood of God the Son. How valuable is something that it has to be purchased with the blood of God the Son? You can never muster up enough of your own value to even come close to that. That's how valued you are. And it's because of that, because he loved you like that, because he chose to value you and purchase you with his blood and clothe you in the righteousness of Christ, because of that, he looks at you and he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love and whom I am well pleased. You are my son's. You are my daughters, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. The Creator says that about you. That is the best news ever. And He's pleased not because of what you've done or what you could ever do, but because of what Christ has done, and it's all gift of God's grace. I mean, we all have our Pharisee ways, right? You know how I know? Because it takes one to know one, right? Man, most Pharisees are in denial about it, even people who hate Pharisees. I remember, I remember, I've told you this before. I got, once the gospel of grace clicked for me, one of my first reactions that was based on limited perspective was, um, I, I really had really difficult time with self-righteous judgmental people. And then I realized I was being judgmental towards judgmental people. And then I was being self-righteous towards self-righteous people. I mean, the irony hit me like a ton of bricks and I had to repent. We all have our Pharisee ways, but the good, the good news of God's grace means that you can be honest about your sin and you can ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to speak into your heart and life to, to help you with some blind spots. We all have them. Jesus knows all about your sin already. God's kindness leads us to repentance. So instead of sitting in condemning judgment of people who are struggling, you can identify with them. Say, I'm just like them. I'm just like them. We all need to see that we're all beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. We're all just as desperate as anyone else for God's grace as anyone else. And, and if you get that, two things will happen. One, you won't keep the good news to yourself. And two, you won't be a jerk when you share it. Our neighbors need true, real, down-to-earth Christianity. They need us to declare a message of grace, and they need to see us live out that message of grace so they know that it's real. And they won't get that if you're not humble, if you are religiously arrogant. If I'm religiously arrogant, 
I've told you before, I don't care if it's your first day, you've been here for a long time, you see me getting religiously arrogant, you need to call me out on it or you don't love me. And if you're nervous about calling me out on it, then ask me nicely about it. <laughs> or go to the one, other, one of the pastors. Better men than me have lost their way with this. Finally, last, we need to cultivate the heart of Jesus. In verse 30, the Pharisees are complaining to Jesus, and they say, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, a favorite line religious people like to use to condemn people is, you can tell what a person is like by the company he keeps. Now wait, there's some truth to that. Context matters. But birds of a feather flock together, right? That's not totally true. You know why? Because we're not birds. <laughs> we have to ask, what is our reason for who we hang out with? It needs to be because you love them. And because you love them, you hope to have a humble influence on them for their benefit and God's glory. And just maybe, just maybe along the way, you'll learn something from them in the process. See, that brings a whole new meaning to the phrase, you can tell what a person is like by the company he keeps, right? This is why we have crowded houses. This is why we have our home groups. This is why we encourage our crowded houses, our home groups, to love their neighbor, to reach out to their neighbor, to be hospitable to their neighbor, to make friends for Jesus. And one of the things that you can do uh, if you want to get plugged in on that, and I challenge you, encourage you, exhort you to do that, is to talk to Pastor Josh Stuhlmiller right here. And say, I want to be a part of something like that. Uh, he and his family are doing a great job. They've reached their whole neighborhood. That doesn't mean the whole neighborhood had a revival and they all came to Jesus. It means he's connected with all of them. Believers, non-believers, atheists, agnostic, whatever. And his home is a hub in their neighborhood. And they constantly come into them and their family for help, for prayer. He rallies their, neighbor, their neighbors uh, together to, for donations for foster kids' families. I mean, sharing the truth and love of Jesus in a very down-to-earth, incarnational way. I encourage you, if you want to point an application here, something that you can put into action to respond to this good news, talk to Josh and Monica Stuhlmiller, and they'll get you plugged in. This is why we do that. This is why we open our homes to our neighbors, share a meal with them. This is why we invite our neighbors and our friends and our family and coworkers to be a part of our community of grace. This is why we try to make anyone and everyone to feel welcome here, like family. If you know people, if you know people who would be blessed to be a part of a community of grace, then bring them in. Jesus compared himself to a doctor who spends time with the sick because he's dedicated to healing. 
In the same way, Jesus hangs out with sinners like us because he loves us and wants us to be transformed by grace and experience freedom and deliverance. You don't go to the doctor if you think you're well. In the same way, you don't go to Jesus if you think that you're righteous. Jesus didn't show up for the self-righteous. He showed up for those who humble themselves and acknowledge their sin and their need for forgiveness. Jesus Christ showed up to eat and drink with sinners like us. Jesus Christ loves you so much. He was ultimately, like, ultimately sacrificial in order to heal you. He went to the cross where he took your sin upon himself and he died your death to give you true life with God the Father forever. And when you get this good news, it changes you. It doesn't just save you, it changes you. It gives you a love for God and a love for your neighbors who need them. It gives you a love for your neighbor who need the truth of the gospel who need brothers and sisters in Christ, who need to be built up in their faith. Long time ago, I shared the story with you about my daughter, Shay. When she was two years old, we lived next to a canyon. And one Sunday afternoon, she went missing. We couldn't find her for over 20 minutes. Let me tell you something. When your daughter is missing for over 20 minutes, that's an eternity. Neighbors and people from the church next door were spread out looking everywhere for her. And I was absolutely sick because in situations like that, I mean, you have the worst thoughts that come to your mind. Did somebody grab her and just disappear into the canyon? Everyone was spread out searching. I was at the bottom of the canyon when Shannon called me and said, we found her. Shay was under a table that had a tablecloth on it that went all the way down to the ground, and so we couldn't see her. And she was just chilling out. That's fine. When we were stressing out, I was so relieved. I started running up the canyon to get back to her. I ran for about 10 yards, and then I had to take a break. <laughs> and then I walked for a bit and took another break. Struggled with my breathing a little bit, cramps. When I finally got back to the house, I scooped her up and I hugged her and I hugged her and hugged her. Just filled with just so much relief. We did not urgently go seeking her because I guess it's the right thing to do. I guess I better, I'm a dad, so she's my daughter. I guess I'm supposed to go look for her. No, we dropped everything. We prioritized looking for her because we loved her. That's why. And so you don't share the good news of God's grace because I guess this is something I'm just supposed to do. No, it's because you love them. Let me ask you something. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Jesus as your Lord? Do you know Jesus as your King? Do you know Jesus as your friend? If you're here this morning, you say, I don't think so. I, I actually, I, I don't know Jesus right now. I want you to know that he's reaching out to you. He brought you here to meet him. And now he says to you, follow me. 
Leave everything else that you are trusting to be okay with God, to be okay with yourself, to be okay with others because it will hurt you and let you down. Jesus has a better way to live and he will never leave you or forsake you or let you down. See, you can have everything, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. And you can have nothing, but if you have Jesus, you have everything. And you don't need anything else. Jesus says, follow me. And my question for you this morning, my challenge to you this morning, is will you respond to the call? Follow him today. Trust him with your life, your soul, your eternity today. And for those of you who are Christians, let me ask you, who are you more like? Jesus or the Pharisees? I'll give you a hint. The Pharisees. And so am I. The question here is, is could you be criticized like Jesus for being a friend to tax collectors and other sinners? Or are all your friends Christians? Are all your friends religious people? If so, we're more like the Pharisees than Jesus, and we need to repent. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves again. And, and then, then when we do that, it comes, then all of a sudden we experience, our, our sense of freedom is renewed. So this morning, another practical step, I want you to think of one person, one person you know that would be blessed by the truth and love of Jesus, who needs the truth and love of Jesus. I want you to think of one person. Who comes to your mind? Is there somebody that comes to your mind? Maybe it's not just one person. Maybe it's more. But I want you to think of at least one person that God has deliberately placed in your life for the sake of his mission and his glory and for the sake of your friend's blessing. And my question is, how can you, in a natural way, share the truth and love of Jesus with them? With that one person? Anything come to mind of how you might share the love and truth of Jesus with them? Maybe you don't know what the next step is. It's hard for you to imagine where you are now to having a gospel conversation with them. Maybe the next step is you simply start by getting to know them by sharing a meal together. Sharing your lives together. Just love them like Jesus loved you. To the extent that you know the love of Jesus, you will share the love of Jesus. The other side of the coin is to the extent that we don't share the love of Jesus, we don't really know the love of Jesus. That's why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. See, God bless you to bless others. And we either believe this good news of God's grace or we don't. If you believe this good news of God's grace, the good news of Jesus Preach it to yourself. Then start praying for that one person. Ask God to give you the love and the courage to share the good news with them. And you can know this, that he can and he will work through you and he will be glorified and God's kingdom will be advanced. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me?